heard across the Resonate Regional Radio Network. It's my time, it's my life. I hope you will come along. This is Rural Queensland Today with Ben Dobbin. Morning and welcome to Rural Queensland today. It is Wednesday morning, the 12th of October. Very good morning to everybody listening to us through the Resonate Broadcast Network, through Kingaroy at 4SB, 4ZR in Roma, 4VL in Charleville, 4HI in Emerald, 4LM Mount Isa, 4LG Longreach, 4GC Charters Towers. Good morning. And the Hot Country Network, a very good morning to you. If uh, you have missed any of it, I always used to say to you, go to Wooshka. Well, Wooshka is no more. I don't have to spell it out. I don't have to talk to you anymore. We're on Spotify. Yep, that's right. Ben Dobbin, Rural Queensland today. Just go to Spotify. The link is on our Facebook page. We'll make sure we remind you of it and you can get any of our episodes. A lot easier than Wooshka. So Spotify, you know it. Just go to Spotify, Ben Dobbin, Rural Queensland today, and it is all there. Looking forward to that. So much to get through this morning. We're going to talk very shortly with Bronwyn Orr, Australian Veterinary Association President. It's a huge, huge worry at the moment. Spencer Morgan will join us. Graham Lohman, the Charters Towers Regional Council Mayor, will talk to Sharon Harms from the Roma Drought Master Bull Sale. Their 60th anniversary coming up on the 21st of October and Cyril Close. Big show, Rural Queensland today with Ben Dobbin. Let's get into it. We're going to talk with Bronwyn Orr, Dr. Bronwyn Orr from the Australian Veterinary Association. She joins us next. Back to rural Queensland today. Uh, Dr. Bronwyn Orr is the Australian Veterinary Association President. She joins us this morning on rural Queensland today as a growing number of Aussie vets are struggling uh, with mental health issues. This doesn't surprise me. They are overworked. There is a shortage of vets, um, just like there are in GPs, and these same problems are continuing to rise uh, throughout Australia, especially in regional Queensland and throughout regional uh, areas. Uh, Bronwyn, good morning. Thanks so much for being with us. Thanks for having me. The research that's been conducted found that veterinarians have a higher rate of personal mental health issues than the general population. What other factors do you think uh, that are causing this? Well, you definitely hit the nail on the head earlier when you said that, you know, it's it's the long hours, it's the, the shortage of veterinary staff that we have, which is, you know, putting increased pressure on, on the vets that are, that are out there. But there's a, quite a few other things as well. You know, we know that rural and regional areas, um, you know, it can be quite hard to get um, adequate coverage, particularly for things like after hours. So, you know, vets in these areas generally tend to, you know, work and be on call after hours after doing a, you know, solid 10 hour or 12 hour day. Um, but there's also things like low remuneration. So, you know, the pay is, um, not, not very good and definitely not, uh, matching the sort of outlay that vets put into getting into that career and it's just causing a bit of a perfect storm. It happened before COVID. It's been a slow moving beast, but COVID certainly seems to have exacerbated a few things, which is why we are trying to take action in the veterinary industry um, and we're pulling together an industry roundtable to try and find some solutions to some of these problems. Oh, look, there's no two ways about it. I've got friends of mine, five years they went and did the university degree. Then they start off as uh, as a vet in a practice working with somebody and, and no disrespect for the study and the knowledge and the service they provide, the salary is embarrassingly low, like dreadful. And I mean that genuinely. Like it, you start off is – and so then you grind and you grind and you grind and eventually – and I don't even know if this is possible that they, they're trying to buy and get into a practice and then they have to buy into somebody's practice or buy a practice or start up on their own and the costs outlaid. And the hours they have to work – it is just 
ridiculous. Now, people can say, oh, gee, yeah. is, gee, the vets in Brisbane or the vets in, you know, in Rome are the, geez, they charge a lot for a small dog. Well, it's mm. nothing on the insurance. It's nothing mm. on the costs, um, the, 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 the uh, public liability, all these factors that come in. The vets are Absolutely. so underpaid at the moment, it is ridiculous. So if you have this roundtable, we, we, we've got to get more money. Like I'm being genuinely, more money for vets and you've got to get more wanting to do it. Now, it's a chicken and the egg. People look at that and go, well, what's a veterinary cell? I've got an interest in animals. I want to do that. All right, well, what am I going to get paid? Well, well, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to spend five years and then earn that kind of money. So what is it, mm. that, what is it that you can do? To navigate this problem too, because the, the the big thing is we need more vets. That's the first thing, and you obviously need, and you can't mm. pass it on. Well, you have to pass it on, but you can't pass it on to the point of that the vets are getting wealthy and everybody else is going broke every time they bring an animal to a vet. Oh, absolutely, and and you're right. Like you know, you don't go into the veterinary industry to make money um, because you'd be a fool if you did that. Um, you know, the the pay is just not there. But you know, we we know that vets do a lot of um, public good as well. So particularly in the areas of you know biosecurity and keeping an eye out for you know some of these really nasty diseases like foot and mouth and lumpy skin and stuff. It's vets that are on the front line who kind of spot these diseases. You know, they report them, they take samples to the labs. And and they're going to be the ones that are sort of first diagnosing this. But the problem we have is that, you know, um, we can't expect farmers to, you know, shoulder the burden of, um, you know, having bets out on all these properties and, you know, making sure that things are ticking over smoothly. And, and so what, you know, one of the things that we're calling for is increased public funding in, in getting vets back onto farms and getting vets, you know, more involved in things like biosecurity. At the moment, a lot of these things are done out of the pocket of um, veterinarians or out of producers. But we know that there's a lot of public good in keeping these diseases out. You know, the export meat industry is worth billions of dollars to the economy. So, um, you know, there's been pretty much no investment from the government in the veterinary industry. Um, and we're really calling on the federal government to um, to take some steps to, to change that um, because, we just can't see how it can be sustainable going forward. I don't know how we're going to be able to keep having rural and regional vets if we don't get some action here. Um, you know, whether it's support for increased biosecurity testing and, and observation by veterinarians on farms or even things like hex forgiveness for rural yeah. and regional veterinary graduates because we just need to be supporting more vets in the region. If we don't support them, we will lose them. That, that's unfortunately um, the path that we're going down. Are there the opportunities to fill the void at the moment to get some vets from overseas? Because from the doctor's perspective, like a local GP in the rural and regional towns, they never get any time off. They never get a break. And I would only mm. assume that this is the same with vets in rural and regional Australia, that mm. if they're a one-team town, they're on 24-7. They, they, they've got to live in the town. Their kids have got to go to the town. They, they've got to, you know, socialise in the town. Yet they've got to work in the town. If something happens, they're on call all the time. They don't get a break. So yep, yep. To, to fill this void, why you guys try and get so, um, is there any chance at all that y you might be able to fill that void with some overseas veterinarians or is it a completely different course that they're learning and potentially puts them at risk in Australia? Yeah, look, it's a similar problem that we have with, you know, rural GPs and, and, you know, trying to get foreign doctors to fill those voids. So, um, 
vets are on the priority skilled migration list, which means that, um, you know, if, if there's a vet with a relevant qualification from overseas, they want to apply to work into Australia, they do get fast-tracked. But the problem that we have is that, um, you know, we don't recognize that many degrees. They pretty much have to be in English, um, which immediately, you know, restricts a whole bunch of countries, including some, you know, fantastic countries like Germany and France. Um, which produce very high quality graduates, but their degrees aren't in English. Um, so it's got to be in English. It's got to be from uh, universities that our boards recognise. There's actually a very small pool. And unfortunately, at the moment, the, the veterinary shortage is a worldwide phenomenon. So, um, you know, we're trying to, you know, call on vets from South Africa and Ireland and the sure. UK. Um, and those countries are experiencing shortages too. So, um, you know, in the short term, unfortunately, that, that's not a, a huge solution. Certainly, we would love to kind of look at where, if there's other countries that we could potentially get graduates from. But at this stage, it's, um, it's not a, a short fix. And we know that it takes between five to seven years to um, even produce a new veterinarian. So even if we were to increase student intake at our yeah, you're still seven years. you're still seven years away exactly. and there's going to be a dropout rate. I, I get it completely. Exactly. So something. Yeah. Yeah. needs to happen and it needs yep, to happen absolutely. quick. Um, are you confident that the federal government are willing to have this conversation? Look, we've had some initial discussions with them. Um, we've had a little bit of traction on things like hacks forgiveness for rural veterinary graduates, which all that does obviously is redistribute vets who might have gone to the city into the country, which is good. Sure. That prioritizes country areas, but it doesn't you know, increase the number of vets that we have in Australia. And so far, we haven't had good engagement from the government on, you know, sort of longer term solutions in that area. So we are really trying to work with them. But unfortunately, I think especially in the short term, um, the, the shortage is not going to be something um, that's going to go away too soon. So we need to make sure that the vets that we do have, that we support them um, and particularly we support their mental health so they don't get burnt out and they don't leave the industry. We can't afford to lose any more vets. Yeah, it's a serious topic. Uh, Bronwyn, I appreciate your time this morning. I really do. Uh, it's one that we don't think enough about. Uh, Australian Veterinary Association President Dr Bronwyn Orr, thanks so much for being with us this morning. No worries. Thanks for having me. On you. Rural Queensland today. Welcome back to Rural Queensland today. Cyril Close joins us this morning, Managing Director of Top X Roma. G'day, mate. How are you? Well, Dobbo, how are you today? All right. Uh, around 2,500, that's off the back of some good local district rain over the weekend. Um, firstly, that season, I mean, we, we are our thoughts are going out to everybody who is growing crop. Uh, grass growers and the people with grass country, they've never seen a brighter coming in. They just need a few dry days and a bit of heat and it will explode. That, I would have thought, would have reflected a little bit on the market. How was it yesterday? Yeah, very stout, mate. Very stout. Um, some really good local cattle there, heavyweight cattle, and then then to cattle that travelled a bit of distance. And uh, no, very very strong across all categories, mate. Then you know, quite a bit of demand from the meat sector, as well as um, you know the store store end of the market. It's, uh, when you talk about the, it's strong in that store job, it's been strong everywhere the last couple of weeks. But the big the big uh, thing was that feeder job getting back online in, in a lot of ways. Were there many feeder cattle there to quote on yesterday? Uh, a couple of lines, mate, but not in the numbers we've seen in previous weeks, no. But, um, you know, yeah, well, well and truly over that $5 barrier anyway, mate, which is, um, yeah, put some big dollars back in your pocket. Quite unbelievable. This has obviously come off the back of, um, you know, the shortages that they're going to see, and the fact is that this market is remaining really buoyant. There is a world demand and protein shortage, but the numbers are, if the rain continues, they're going to dry up, Cyril. They're just not going to be, just be there. 
Oh, mate, and, and you know, that's, uh, you know, you, you get dead patches through the year where you, your numbers sort of just pull up with seasonal conditions and whatever else, mate. So that's purely what it'll be. Um, you know, if it stays wet, southwestern corner of the state, you know, those fellas, you know, number one, it's that wet, they can't move. And then when it does dry out, if it does dry out, they get some heat, it might get a bit too hot to, you know, do too much. But, um, yeah, look, there's all sorts of different scenarios, mate. Um, and so the ebbs and flows are continually there. And, and at this stage, it's a, it's an amazing season, which is shortening the numbers up with, um, you know, grass country and, and um, you know, the, the, the diversity in the feed this year, just in our district, is... Um, you know, still got the back end of winter feed that's there and the buffalo's coming through green with a few warm days. And, you know, if people don't have to sell, they're going to put weight in them to get them to the right categories. Geez, there's going to be some – there's going to be some cattle um, on the like on the market in the new year with some weight. That's the big thing, isn't it? Absolutely. You know, like, yeah, we, we shorten up in one point, it'll, it'll come back in, in another. So um, – and, and then change the different the, – the dynamics of the market. So – you know, that's right, like you just said, there's a, there's a protein shortage in the world and um, if they can find it at these levels, well, it'll be some good returns um, for the, you know, producer in. But, you know, the fellas in the middle, as we know, um, take a bit of a kicking if they can't get grain in and to, you know, fatten them or, you know, can't get enough markets to get them out the door. Yeah, it's up. That's the big thing. Um, look, there's a lot going on in, in obviously – the world at the moment, and there is a there is a real shortage. Can I just talk to you about though um, w- what the what the sentiment is within in the bush in your neck of the woods? Are people concerned about what's going on globally? And I don't want to be doomsday. There's now talk of oh, there's going to be a recession, everything like that. It's been very very strong. The market is very strong, but the abattoir is screaming, saying they're not making any money. I don't know whether or not it's got to come back to some parity, like it, or to try and get better. But it can't all go in one way and one favour forever. Yet it's got to be successful, and there's obviously got to be a pathway for people to make money at the moment due to the the increasing of costs. Oh, absolutely, mate. You know, like just the cost of production now. You, when you once you really analyse your figures of what it put cost to put a calf on the ground from where it was three to five years ago, you know, that's, I don't know the exact numbers, mate, but, it, you know, that's jumped considerably. Um, there's, you know, people say, we need to get this money. Yeah, well, that's right, we do. That's, uh, you know, to cover that cost of production and land prices and, and everything else. So, but there's, as we were just talking about, you know, the fellas in the middle, you see a lot of the meatworks and the, and the likes, they've got costs as well. And, um, you know, labour costs, shortages, Dropping kills, can't fill pens, all of that stuff. So, yeah, yeah. there is a there is a, a cost of everything and, uh, at the moment on the producer end of it. It's uh, probably in the biggest purple patch we've seen in the jaws of my time in the in the game. So, mate, I, I think that uh, yeah, we all keep looking over our shoulder for it to probably get a correction. And and I think it's definitely the season that's driving and keeping that up where it is. Lo and behold, when it gets dry and it will get dry again, and the numbers get built up, uh, we will it will probably come back. So um, I think at the moment we haven't had too many conversations with our clients that are concerned about. Well, they're concerned. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, well they are concerned, but they're just calculated. Yeah, I agree with that, mate. um, Really appreciate your time. Prime job yesterday. How was that? Or very little prime cattle there. 
Yeah, bullocks out to uh, four thirty, four thirty odd, and proper grass, you know, crop finish bullocks, which was a good percentage of them there. And then the cow market was probably ten better. Um, we had probably dropped ten the week before, but it was it was ten better with um, shortage um, of cow numbers and obviously coming direct and whatever else. So, sure. no, very very stout, but lots of competition. Yeah, really appreciate your time. Thanks so much for being with us this morning, mate. My pleasure. All right. We'll take a break, come back with more Cyril Close. This is Rural Queensland Today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Welcome back to Rural Queensland Today on the Resonate Broadcast Network, Wednesday morning, the 12th of October. Deputy Mayor Graham Lohman from the Charters Towers Regional Council joins us this morning. Um, Graham, good morning. Thank you so much for being with us. Uh, good morning, Ben. Yeah, lovely to be with you. I um I, I was really pleased to see the action that the uh, Charters Towers Regional Council is taking in trying to eradicate um, bats. Um, now, this is obviously an issue. Robbie Catt has talked about this in Mount Isa. We've had many, many people talk about it regionally. And the council have taken matters into their own hands and have started not an eradication process, but a process where you guys are obviously trying to move them on and move them forward. And it's obviously going to take some time, but a really great initiative by the Charters Towers Regional Council. Um, oh, it is, Ben. Look, and, and it isn't a case of eradicating the bats, but, but relocating them back into the natural environment. Uh, these bats have been, uh, well, been a colony of bats in Listener Park for, for, quite, uh, for many, many years, but more recently, since the mid-2000s, the numbers have uh, have blown out annually, and it's effectively uh, made uh, Listener Park uninhabitable. Yeah, that's the issue. People and, can't go there. I mean, the minute that the, yeah. there's a huge problem, uh, huge bat colonies, and the population is far outweighing what needs to be. Now, you guys aren't being cruel. You're just relocating them out of out of harm's way and out of the community. Now, for all the do-gooders that are coming out there and saying, "Oh," and all this garbage. Bats aren't being shot and murdered and killed. They're just being moved on. Exactly. And, and what we're doing, we, we engaged uh, a company called Biodiversity Australia, and they, um, they're, the, they're the, I, I think, the, the lead uh, agency in, in the relocation of, uh, of flying foxes in, in, their, in our part of the country. And, and they've, they've got a proven track record where they've been able to successfully move flying fox colonies from urban areas out back into the wild uh, very ethically and uh, with minimal uh, or as little as possible disruption to the communities that they move them from and as little as, as possible disruption and uh, to the, the bat colonies themselves. And they've, they've already shown that, uh, uh, that in Charters Towers that this is, has been uh, successful to date. In um, in only this is the uh, about the eighth day I think today since they commenced, uh, they've been able to successfully move them out of Listener Park, and are moving them uh, basically uh, eastward uh, out toward a bat habitat um, that we've uh, we'd we'd constructed a couple of years ago, and to other areas that might be suitable for uh, bats to find their own colonies. Um, while ideally we would like to have them move to the bat colony, uh, the bat habitat, I mean. These are these are thinking animals, and they'll find their own roost. We don't. We just need to have that roost uh, elsewhere than in Charters Towers itself. Oh, I think you know you guys need to be commended on this. This is um, I saw this and I thought, wow, um, it's not cheap, but I tell you what, it, it's going to you, you're getting the park, listener park back, and mate, the the, oh. the habitat was just unbelievable. Like the colonies that were there it was overrun. It was a plague proportions. 
at, at times we had in the hundreds of thousands, I believe, uh, the little red flying foxes in particular. And yeah, it, it's all about us being able to reclaim Listener Park for ourselves and to use it for the purpose in which it's always been intended. But it's also about uh, the livability of uh, adjacent residences. Um, yeah, it, I, ca- I cannot imagine. I cannot imagine what it must have been like living next to those, uh, living next to Listener Park when those large numbers were in. It must have been just about untenable for those poor folk, and also for it, it's impacted on local businesses adjacent to that area. So. It, it will be a win-win for all. It'll be a win-win, a, a, win, a significant win for the Charterhouse House community, the nearby residents, and it'll also be a win for the flying foxes in that they're only being relocated out into the natural environment again. They're not, they're not being, uh, they're not being harmed or anything like that. Uh, they're just being relocated. Yeah, um, it, 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 it is quite unbelievable that you're doing that. Talk to us about the Arts Fund. 77500 will be spent on arts projects in Charterstowers region through their Regional Art Development Fund program over the next 12 months. Geez, this is a great opportunity for your community. Oh, it is. And we've, we've run this uh, on a number of ye- uh, over a number of years. Uh, this is a joint initiative between the state government and uh, Charterstowers Regional Council. We contribute. Um, we both contribute to the fund, and, and council contributes a substantial amount of that. And it's the opportunity for uh, any organisation or any individual who's considering some sort of an arts project uh, to be to get assistance in in uh, undertaking that project. And we've done over the years. We've done a, a multitude of different things. Uh, yeah, we did a, a, a mosaic to commemorate Anzac Day at Pentland. Um, we've done a barbed, a barbed wire workshop where people learn how to use bar, old barbed wire and turn it into sculptures. Very popular in the bushes, you probably know. Uh, I recently went to a um, uh, the Towers Arts where they've uh, unveiled a, a, a mural that rep, uh, was a representation of all the major productions that they've put on the last 20 years. Things like that. So it, it doesn't have to be just some uh, strictly arts thing. It can be uh, the local cricket club, for argument's sake, wanting to put a mural on their toilet block—that's that's still art, and it kill, you know it 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 assists the it assists in enlivening the the uh, open spaces of Charters House by you know by by having some decorations around. So it's very diverse and it's very popular. Uh, we always are pretty much fully subscribed with our money. Yeah, and no doubt about it. Um, now, look, um, just quickly, the Army, the 10th Support Battalion, has been invited to exercise its freedom of entry to Charters Towers. Um, this is a great thing. By marching through the city whilst carrying weapons as part of the 150-year celebration. So uh, this is huge. Um, and so, obviously, uh, the march and ceremony parade will take place Friday the 21st of October. Um, it's important, um, obviously, for your community to acknowledge the men and women who have fought and served for our country and continued to protect our shores. Absolutely. And strongly encourage everyone to come and watch the, watch the march and the, uh, the parade uh, outside the old city hall uh, on, that, on that afternoon, starting at 5 o'clock in, uh, marching down Gill Street to Mossman Street. And then on Saturday morning uh, between 8 and 12, the, 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 uh, the, the 10th Force Support Battalion, which is the battalion that uh, is exercising its freedom of entry, uh, will have a display of all its equipment down in the showgrounds. And uh, this was going to occur, uh, Ben, back uh, a, a few weeks ago, but because of the the, uh, the death of Her Majesty, 
Uh, it was postponed uh, till today. But some of that equipment was in uh, down in the showgrounds, and I did see it. Yeah, very impressive stuff. People who like big toys um, would really enjoy that day, and certainly the uh, children would really love to see the types of equipment that these guys uh, use in their day-to-day. Yeah, obviously there's lots going on in your neck of the woods. Last Saturday you had your Legends of League in Charter Stowers. That's always good. Robbie Robbie Catter playing along. So what's he doing? Seriously. Yeah. He, he's crazy. Yeah, no. He's crazy. You know, he, he – um, He's a pretty handy footballer, to say the least. Oh, let's uh, stop wrapping yeah. him for Christ's sake. We yeah, don't no, no, wrap no. Him. <laughs> I, I tell you, no lies. He yeah. he played a he played a really good game. Uh, he must have been quite a sportsman in his in his day. So he still sh- he still showed that pulling on the boots um, uh, was something he's capable of doing. So good man. And look, yeah, we had a, it was a great afternoon. Big crowd. Everyone enjoyed it immensely. And uh, how good is it when the ball boy can score a try, you know? Yeah, the best ever. The best ever. <laughs> it hey, is. Graham, it was, yeah. Great to chat. Uh, Deputy Mayor of Charter Stowers Regional Council, Graham Lamont. We'll catch up again shortly. Appreciate your time this morning. My pleasure. Okay, take we'll care. Take a Bye. break. Come back with more Rural Queensland today. Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Roma Droughtmaster Bull Sailors on the 21st of October. The start time is 10am at the Roma Sail Yards. Uh, there is a bullwalk on the day prior, viewing from 3pm. Sharon Harms is the chair of the Roma Droughtmaster Bull Sail and she joins us this morning. Sharon, good morning. Thanks so much for being with us. Thanks, Ben. Uh, it's a pleasure. Uh, look, we, we know how iconic the Roma Droughtmaster Bull Sale is, and this year it speaks volumes. The market has been very buoyant, and the bulls, obviously, they absolutely will do uh, this sale proud, and there's a really, really great offering of Droughtmaster Bulls this year. Yes, we've got 132 um, top-rate bulls uh, going to the sale. All have been um, fully vaccinated. DNA profiled and sire verified. Um, they're um, yeah, we've uh, I think we can meet every market at, at this sale with uh, ongoing favourable conditions and um, a buoyant commercial market. Um, our female inventory is growing year on year, and uh, on the back of uh, years of drought, we feel that um, the investment in a good bull is. Um, it's something that the um, producers are, are looking for, um, especially what they're getting for their commercial cattle. And the, the, the beautiful thing about the Roma Droughtmaster bull sale is that whether or not you're going there chasing a sire or whether or not you're chasing paddock bulls, there there is a bull to suit every market. And exactly. it's not just it's not just all dead set $50,000 size. I understand that you'd all like that. But, but the, the truth of it is that there are those bulls in there. There's those really good bulls in there. But there's also the great commercial bulls that will go out and work. So there's a market for everybody. What what do you think makes this Droughtmaster breed so superior on other breeds? Oh, I think it's um, bulls that can can go out and do the job. Um, it's the uh, bulls that can meet every market um, as far as a commercial producer is concerned or um, they're bulls that can meet um, all of his markets. Uh, versatile bull, um, yeah, Australia's natural wonder. Yeah, it is a very, very, very great breed, and and we know that there's been a lot going on um, around the country. And, and Simon Gleeson and the Droughtmaster Association have done a phenomenal job. And also, we've seen the Droughtmaster bull sales throughout the course of the year. Now, this sale takes place on Friday, the twenty first of October. So it starts at ten o'clock. One hundred and thirty two bulls, and there is a pre bull walk available for viewing at three pm 
on Thursday. So now pre-sale information, obviously vendors are invited to join a complimentary refreshments at the sales Thursday prior to the sale. Um, there is buyer rebates available and you need to get in contact with the agents, the managing agents. Delivery-wise, what's the process there? Uh, delivery, um, well, being um, the best, best-selling best centre in um, yeah. the Southern Hemisphere, there's always trucks going in and out. Um, also, um, talk to the agents um, or some of the um, vendors may be able to deliver sure. to sure. Um, allocated locations. Then we also have uh, elite livestock auctions platform um, and um, most of the viewing of bulls leading up to the sale is is now done on um, our Facebook page uh, for videos and photos, uh, but Elite Livestock uh, um, have all the photos up um, in their catalogue, um, which easily link, you can easily link into that. Um, at the meet and greet, we've, um, we'll announce the um, pair of bulls, which is uh, uh, sponsored by Midwest Rural. Um, we've decided to change tack with that and make the announcement at the meet and greet. We're also having a guest speaker being our 60th anniversary. Um, so, yeah, we'd like all our buyers and vendors to uh, join us in celebrating our 60th anniversary. 60th anniversary Roma Drought Master Bull Sale taking place the 21st of October, commencing at 10 a.m. Sharon Arms, best of luck with it. Um, all bulls are vet checked, semen tested, vaccinated, and ready to work. Uh, generous buyer rebates are available as well, and it will be on Elite Livestock um, Auction Platform, which is a really good platform as well if you're unable to get there. Appreciate your time and best of luck for the 21st of October. Thank you, Dan. Good on you. We'll take a break, come back with more. This is Rural Queensland today. Welcome back to Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network, Wednesday morning, the 12th of October. And as I mentioned briefly yesterday, the Triple Crown gets underway this weekend, starting with the Condamine Bell Camp Draft. Now, this is one of the premier three camp drafts in Queensland, and the glory to try and win not only Chinchilla, Warwick and Condamine has never been done before, but every year there's the hope of every competitor going out there. Spencer Morgan joins us from the Condamine Camp Draft Committee this morning. Spen, good morning. Um, all about to get underway, mate. And uh, it has been a, a long 12 months since the last draft. Lots happening in your neck of the woods. Firstly, um, you must be excited to get this one underway. Yeah, Benjamin, it's that time of year. And it's, uh, no, look, it's all, all coming together pretty well. And uh, it's, It'll be a good weekend or a good four days. Yeah. So, mate, it kicks off tomorrow, correct? Yeah, 10 a.m. tomorrow morning, mate. Our first round of the, the Open. So, yeah, start cracking, man. Talk to me about just how it works and, and the nominations that you received. I mean, this was the brainchild many years ago, and, and we now see that the camp draft world is very much like this big prize money. But if I'm really honest with you, it was condomine that – uh, showed a leap of faith, I reckon, 15 years, maybe, yeah, 15 years ago, I reckon it was. And yeah. it was shouted down and the camp draft world was august and up in arms. And now it just seems to be the way. I mean, you guys paved the way um, with what was seen as elitist at the time, but now is just the normal. Can you just talk about what what, what this draft is and, and how it's got to it, its absolute – um, I, I suppose it's renowned now as one of the arguably one of the best drafts in the land. Yeah, Benjamin, look, it, it, it's been a. It, it, I guess it's um, same as any camp draft. There's a lot that goes into them, you know. And any any small committee such as Condamine's got, there's a 
there's a lot of work that goes into them, you know, getting the grounds ready, obviously, is a big one, you know, for the week before and, and that sort of thing. But it's then, you know, it's, it's about getting people to, to help work over that weekend, the volunteers and, 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 you know, obviously the cattle, you know, for the events. Um, it's just a lot of, a lot of things that go into it. And, and we were running four day events back before we, we started this, um, this sort of concept where we, you know, just we up the prize money and then up the nomination a bit and, and we're trying to uh, possibly, you know, bring it all back under control a bit and, and help the, you know, small communities like us just uh, run a really good event, but probably a bit smaller one. And, and that was that was the thought process of it. And you'd get all the best fellas and, and yeah, that was, the, that was the whole process. And then alternately we'd run a, a maiden, for maiden weekend, you know, some other time during the year to, to cater for all the, the local riders and those that you know that are only just starting in the in the in the sport, I guess, and and not not that elite level. And look, it's work. There's no doubt about it. It, it took a bit, um, yeah. But but it, it is now. You know, we, I mean, like like Chinchilla and Warwick, been talking about those communities. They've had massive nominations, and we've had yeah, we've had nominations bigger than we ever thought possible and we've had to try and fit them in as best we can. We can't, couldn't fit everyone in, but we, you know, um, we certainly tried to support, you know, those that support us the whole way through. They, they, you know, they were the, they're the first cabs to get a, a Guernsey and then from there it's just, uh, you know, it's just trying to fit as many in as we can. But, uh, no, it's all good. We've, we're going to move back to Thursday, 10 a.m. start. We've, we've got about, uh, I think, Six fifteen in the open, first round of the open, and then they'll get a second round, a full second round. So we've got six fifteen of that um, of of the open, then another six fifteen in the second round. We've got the ladies Friday night under lights, and then the finals of the ladies in the open will be Saturday night under lights, yep. and then Sunday morning we'll be into the novice. Four big days, um, and obviously um, the the prize money is a huge attraction as well, isn't it? There there is a really uh, a really nice winner's check, and but you pay a long way down as well. Yeah, we do, mate. Anyone that makes the finals, so there'll be sixty odd, say, um, you know, it'll be round about there in the final of the open, and, and they'll all get their nomination feedback and. And you know, yeah. So we'll be paying down to sixty anyway, and and um, yeah, and the winners checks fifty uh, fifty thousand, and it's um, yeah, no, no. Look, it's it's a it's, it's a great weekend. We've got a really good facility now. It's I mean, we we we're a little bit uh, in between. We've just been changing, trying to change our canteen bar area over. You know, in the process of moving the clubhouse, which is on the grounds there at the sporting complex. Just across to there, but yeah, weather weather's beaten us this year. But we've got we've got the the mound where we're putting it in place, and and we've got a marquee up now, and we've got food vans coming in this year because we haven't can't really cater uh, in, in what we've got there because we've as I say we pull it all down, and and the weather's beaten us. But the arena's looking magnificent, and we've put another um, I don't know we put another six seven hundred meters of gravel in around the shade lines in, in the golf course where trucks, you know, we were, we were really expecting wet weather. It's been, as everyone knows, been pretty wet most of the year. And 
and we got that in for trucks to be able to stay on on the gravel and you know and and camp comfortably. Um, but yeah, it looks like we're going to get away with it, Benjamin. We got sun shining here this morning, and we might get a shower Friday by the look of the weather, and we might get a you know a bit more of a shower on the Sunday. But it'll all be uh, it'll all be pretty good, I think. It'll end the as I say, the arena's great. The cattle are all organised. Um, sponsors on board, and and look, yeah, got a committee. Got a couple of young fellas coming into the committee, which is adding a bit of youth and enthusiasm, which is just fantastic. Yeah, mate. What makes it the best camp draft in Australia, in your opinion? Ah, uh, mate. Oh, I don't know whether, yeah, but yeah. Look, what 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 I think makes it. Uh, I think makes it a pretty good event. Is um, look, we've got we get uh, we've got a really good arena. The Crusher Dust Arena is, you know, has been touch wood is is a really safe arena in all weather conditions. It doesn't matter how much rain really we get. Um, it's it's safe for the horse's footing, and um, yeah, so that's that's one that's, that's a big one, I guess. Is is it's a, it's a good safe uh, footing where the riders can go hard with the confidence that their horses. Uh, you know, it has has got every chance of staying on its feet and doing doing what they need to do. And and then cattle, we're lucky. We've got um, you know we've got some really good cattle donors that have been obviously been donors for a long time in the area. And, and we've now got the cattle where yeah, it, it, they're coming in and, and everyone's got a everyone's got a fair crack at at. You know, it's up to them and the horse, and maybe a little bit of luck here and there. But it, it gives everyone as good a chance as possible of uh, of being able to compete on a level footing. Um, and it's not the luck of the draw as to when you go in the camp. Um, generally, yeah. there's there's always a few head there for you to look at and go, yeah, geez, I can get around out of him. Yeah, I think that's really true. The Black Toyota Camp Draft, Condamine Bell Open Camp Draft as well as the Tees Brothers Novice and the Joyce Campbell Memorial will be taking place and getting underway. And it's the beginning of the Triple Crown. Kicks off tomorrow. Uh, we'll keep you updated. Spencer Morgan from the Condamine Camp Draft Committee, we appreciate your time this morning, mate, and uh, I hope you enjoy the next four days, mate. Rain-free for you. That's what I hope. It's rain-free. Yeah, good on you, Dobbo. We will. Look, it'll be great. It'll be a great four days of drafting. Um, no doubt about it. We, we do get the best from all over all over Australia. And... Um, and that makes it makes it a lot easier standing on the front gate, you know, when you're watching the caliber of rider and horse come out uh, all weekend. It, it really does, and and it's just one thing. Dobbo, the, the camp drafting world has changed with the popularity of of the sport and the difficulty people have getting into into different weekends. I mean, it's it's become a much more involved as a committee where we are fortunate we get a lot more offers of help on the front gate and. and you know, slating and just those jobs that we've had to find normal, you know, just people from around the district to, uh, to try and come in and do. We, we, the camp draft world now, the competitors are really good and, and um, they appreciate what we do and they, they uh, yeah, they put their hand up and they're not riding, they try and give us a hand and, yeah, it's, it's, it's just a, it's a, good, it's a good weekend. Yeah, awesome. Really appreciate it, mate. Thanks so much for being with us. All right, Dobbo. Good on you, mate. We'll Have catch, a good week. We'll catch up again shortly. Uh, Spencer Morgan from the Condamine Camp Draft Committee. We'll take a break, come back with more. This is Rural Queensland today, Wednesday morning, the 12th of October. Well, that's it from us here this morning on Rural Queensland today. Remember, we are now on Spotify. We're not on 
uh, Wooshka anymore. Wooshka is no longer. We are on Spotify, so to get any of our previous shows, it's a lot easier for you now. Spotify is where you go, and that obviously makes everything a lot easier. So we'll have the link up to Spotify on the Facebook page, and it is everywhere at the moment. I'll even put it on my Instagram page. We are on Spotify right now. It's that easy. Have a great day, and remember, when the wheat is ripe, Keep the headers rolling in the paddock. We'll be back again tomorrow morning from nine. Till next time, it's bye for now.